Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf test. Vov today's shiurs le'ilu nishma shmuel yecheskel ben shlomo ben shlomo may he have may his neshama have an aliyah and may his memory be a blessing. It is also for a refuah shleima of David Yitzchak ben Leah, Chai Chai Kabas Baba Michla, Zal Zalman Mordechai ben Mera, and Yehuda Yitzchak Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam. May they all have a complete and speedy recovery. So remember yesterday we. We left off the sugya of the four sages who went into Pardes, who entered this very, very high level, level of uh, spiritual awareness and uh, to a degree uh, seeing into Olam Haba and heaven. And uh, we said, um, just read it again. Um, ben Azai looked at it and he died. Ben Zoma looked at it and he became mentally unstable. Acher looked at it and he became a heretic. And Rabbi Akiva, he left B'Shalom in peace. So now we just, by mentioning Ben Zoma, we're going to bring two questions that were asked to Ben Zoma. Really not too clear why here. Maybe Ben Zoma is not mentioned in Shas, but it's interesting to know Ben Zoma was one of the greatest sages of his generation. A phenomenal, phenomenal Talmud Chochem. And so this is Ben Zoma, they asked Ben Zoma, Aula Sarusei Kelev, Kilba, Kalba, are you allowed to um, neuter a dog? Now, the question is based on the following. The Torah says, um, when it's discussing what animals are possible for korban, it says, There's um, different types of uh, animal that's been castrated. You're not allowed to offer it to Hashem. And then it says, And you're not allowed to do this in your land. Which also tells us that never mind, you can't offer it as a korban. You're also not allowed to do it to animals. But what about a dog which is so far from a korban? Never mind, it's a non-kosher animal and therefore it can't be a korban. We also know a, a mechir kelev. If you have an animal that you bartered for a dog, so let's say you gave someone a dog and received a lamb, a mechir kelev, that also can't be used as a korban. So does this halach of v'artzachim apply also to a to a dog or to other animals. So Omar Lahem bin Azai said, It says you shall not do it in your land. I it could have just said, Don't and you're not allowed to do this. Are you not allowed to castrate animals? And we would know, like every other mitzvah, except for mitzvahs that are dependent on the land, it would apply all over the world. Um wherever to all Jews everywhere. So why does it emphasize in your land? So that's an ex, that's extending it to all animals found. Any animal found in your land, you are not allowed to do this to. Okay. Um, I know I didn't get a chance to uh, look into it, but my father, Robert Glicksberg, had an interesting um, question. I mean, that's the general rule, is you're not allowed to neuter animals and you're not allowed to neuter dogs, but uh, this dog had uh, testicular cancer. So it was actually for the, for the health of the dog, were they allowed to... Muterate. That was just the interesting practical halacha that obviously falls into this discussion much broader. When would it apply, etc. But that was a um, question I know my father and Robert Glicksberg were discussing. Shalu as Ben Zoma, another question that was asked to Ben, ben Zoma. Now just before we go into this, just the background is, we know a Kohen Godel is only allowed to marry a Basula, a virgin. So the question is going to be, what happens if the single girl is pregnant? And it's verifiable that she's a basula, she still has her harmon intact. So then the question is, how is she pregnant? Obviously, don't, uh, 
We're not speaking about immaculate conception. We'll see the two possibilities. So Shalu has Benzoma, Basula Sheivru, Maula Kwan Godal. They ask Benzoma, Basula who is pregnant, can she marry a Kwan Godal? As she asserts, and she, however, she manages to prove that she's a Basula. So her harmony is intact. Michai Shinan Lishmul. Do we take into consideration that maybe it was like what Shmuel speaks about? The Omer, Shmuel, Yochalani, Livol, Kamabi, Elois, Belodam. Shmuel said he's able to have beer many times without any dam. He's able to have beer without breaking the harm, and he, was, he, knew, he knew a way to do it. So maybe she's pregnant from a man. Who did it in such a way that didn't break Harman? And therefore she would be possible to a Kohen Godel? Or maybe, like, who knows how to do that? Do we really have to consider that maybe she, um, maybe she did that? So Omar Lehu, the Shmuel Loishriach. Ben Zoma says, no, you don't have to worry about Shmuel's teaching. I, there's very, very few people, very, very unlikely that she actually had beer. But her harmon wasn't broken. That's like not considerable. Oh, so then why would she be pregnant? And the concern is that maybe she became pregnant from a bath. I, if a man bathed and ejaculated in the water, we concerned that when she afterwards went into the bath and and the yeah it went into her and she became pregnant through that. Now, again, um, I know scientifically also that the chances of that happening are also next to none. That a woman become pregnant like that, but I think, but maybe it's more, more, more likely than Shmuel's discussion. Okay, Vahomer Shmuel Kol Shichvat Zeresh Ainu Yorik Chayt Ainu Mizras Mizras doesn't Shmuel say that any Shichvat Zeresh that doesn't shoot out like an arrow won't impregnate? I and this is just floating around the bath. So he says no. My Koranami Yorik Chayt Havei. No, it's how it leaves the organ. Um, seems if someone has a problem with their organ that their Shiv Chadzera kind of like dribbles out as opposed to shoots out, that's the sort of person, that's the Shiv Chadzera that won't impregnate. Um, just this also, again, very, very fascinating, this Shiv Chadzera Bambati in a bathtub is a very, very fascinating in contemporary discussion because where else does the Gemara discuss pregnancy without beer? Without, without actual intercourse. And why it's so relevant in the last, I don't know exactly how many years, let's say uh, 40 years or so, probably a bit long, uh, probably a bit longer, but in the last, not, not so long into our history, how do you determine the paternity of, uh, of a child born through artificial insemination? Is that child, do we say, we go after the wife's husband? Do we go after the actual father do we you know are they considered connected at all could the child be a kohen would he be possible to how do we view it as this woman is now had uh, relations with someone who she's not married to how do you view it so that would be based on the sugya and Moshe Feinstein one of the early uh, early poskim to deal with this issue actually brings the sugya of a woman who became pregnant through a bathtub as one of the primary sources of this discussion so, uh, again, very surprising in this place, place in uh, Chagiga, tucked away, are these two uh, very contemporary, contentious issues. Um, okay, Tonu, now we're going back to... Um, your, sorry, Tonu, upon a master, but be sure Ben Hanania show your Amen al Gabe Malab Harabayis, but Roes Ben Zoy Mavalo Amen Bilfanov. If you sure was standing on Harabayis, 
on a yeah, high play in Harabais and he saw Benzema. He didn't stand up for him. Uh, Rabi Yoshua, I don't know, it sounds like it's a veiled criticism, but either way, Rabi Yoshua was the senior, the elder of the generation, and Benzoma was a relative youngster. Um, says, where are you from and where are you going, Benzoma? Interesting, Rashi seems to say, says, like, what are you thinking about? Where's your mind headed? So, Amalot, so far, you see, he says, I was studying, I was thinking about the distance between the upper waters and the lower waters. Mate, I think it's another way of phrasing between the heavens and the earth. Shalimar, as it says, The spirit of Hashem was hovering over the water. This is like a dove who hovers over her children but doesn't come. When the dove flies into the nest, she hovers over above it. And that's about three fingers above. So, Rabbi Yishe says, ah, Ben Zomas just still hasn't got correct pshat. It's, uh, often has connotations, it's the sort of thing that shouldn't be taught in the base medrash. When was this that the Torah describes the spirit of Hashem hovering? On the first day. And when was the separation between the upper waters and the lower waters? By the second day, it says that Hashem split the water. So, so again, so where, where Ben Zoma brought his proof of the distance between the upper waters, the waters hadn't yet split, because that was all I was speaking about on the first day. So, therefore, it can't be overcomer. So, how far is the distance between the upper waters and the lower waters? As I said, again, I think it means, at least on a simple level, the heavens and earth. So, Omar of Achabar Yaakov, Kamole Nima, hair's breath. Rabbanon Omri, Kigura de Gamla, like the planks of a bridge, are they fitted to as as close fitted as you can get wood to fit together? And Mazutravi Tamaravasi Omar, Kitre Gilime de Parsea Dadi, two garments spread one over the other. Now that's even closer than the bridge because they also like fall into the contours of each other, unlike the wood, if there's like a dent in the one plank that's right next to the other plank, it won't be completely touching, but a garment does. And then, um, and some say it was actually like two cups, one stuck in the other, I they fit together, they flush, fit together, they stuck together more than fit together. Very interesting. What's What lesson is it coming to teach? It's about the closest between the upper waters and the Lower waters. Um, not not too sure. I have a few thoughts running through my head, but nothing clear and nothing I can uh, verify. So let's uh, carry on with the story. We're now going to discuss Acher. As we said, Acher was one of the four sages, one of the greatest Tabidei Chachomim of his generation, who went into Pardes with the other sages, and he actually became a heretic. So the Gemara is going to discuss him a bit. Um, don't let your mouth cause your bring sin to your body. Says Mahi, what happened? What did Acher see that drove him that drove him to become a heretic? So He saw Metatron, who had permission to sit and write down the merits of Israel. Now you can imagine, if in the base of Mitash, no one has permission to sit because of Hashem's presence in the actual heavens, no one's allowed to sit. Except Metatron was giving permission so he could write down the merits of B'nai Israel. So I think it, it highlights the significance of Hashem, 
of uh, of the of how Hashem values our deeds. That the only time a person has uh, permission to sit in Shomayim is when it's to write down the merits of Yisrael. So, so Rabbi Meir says, but wait, we have a tradition that in Shomayim, there's no sitting, there's no competition, there's no back of necks, because remember the Chaios, all the angels have four heads, one on each side, so there's no back of neck, and there's no tiredness. So he's, he's very, he's looking at Metatron, as far as he knew from Hashem's perspective, no one was allowed to sit, and he comes up to, she looks, peers into the heavens, and he sees Metatron sitting. So Hashem HaKashalom said, it seems like there are, if you could say such a thing, two Rishuas. Again, obviously, Acher must have said, it seems that there are two Rishuas, not Chas Shalom, there are two Rishuas, because that's why he went on the Derech. Um, and that's, uh, and he saw Metatron sitting, so he thought, okay, so there's Hashem is one power, and there's Metatron, which is another power. Um, I saw Oscar give a nice explanation on a deep understanding. How, why, why would Acher make this mistake of confusing Metatron some sort of archangel or something with um, with Hashem. So one is elsewhere, it brings that Metatron, Rashi explained Metatron, it's from a Gomorrah, but Rashi explains Metatron is the same Gematri as Hashem's name, Shakai. And that is, Shakai means sufficient, enough. Remember, it's Hashem said, um, when the, we saw earlier when the world was unraveling, Hashem said, die, enough. Um, so that's where the word um, Shakai comes from, sufficient. And Metatron was the angel in charge of providing for this world. So almost in general, all of Hashem's goodness and bracha is brought and sustenance, parnosa, is provided through Metatron. So Rebbe Meir saw that. He saw this aspect of Hashem in him. He, not only that, he saw, he did seem to have some level of awareness that he was not God. But he saw this huge power that was providing for the whole of the world, or most of the world. I guess some people are provided directly by Hashem. He was provided through the whole world. And uh, he was sitting in the heavens. Clearly he was a second power. Um, yeah, so obviously there's a, bit more to, a lot more to discuss and a lot more depth. But maybe that's a little bit of an insight into where Rebbe Meir's Aches, where Aches' mistake came from. So Achvele Metatron Nura. They took out Metatron and they beat him with a fiery stick sixty times. Why did you not stand up before him? It seems the obvious. It doesn't seem that Metatron really did anything wrong, but I think one shot is that they were doing this to show Acher that Metatron was actually. Sub, a subject. He wasn't a lord, a king. Because if he was a king, then how could they beat him for not doing what he wants? So there is a higher power. It says, But they gave him permission to erase the merits of Acher. came out and said, Return, everyone return except for Acher. Now I was thinking, so... Acher heard this bus call, we'll see shortly how he reacted, that said everyone can do tshuva except Acher. It's very difficult in light of our principle that we generally go by, is that you can do tshuva for every single Aveira. So it seems that um, so, so what does it mean 
that everyone can do tshuva except Acher. I, I was thinking maybe, like we've explained a few times, remember, when you look into Merkava, it's like looking into a bright light, that if you stare too hard, you try to see it, and your mind's not ready to process it. As we see, Acher's mind wasn't ready to distinguish between the, again, phenomenal, spiritual, I don't know, majestic, splendorous angel, Metatron, and he couldn't comprehend and distinguish between that and the difference between it and Hashem. That's where, so his mind definitely wasn't yet on the level to comprehend and resolve these, um, and to gaze into the Merchava and resolve it. So maybe they were aware that they, it's almost uh, not a, it's not a rule that it's saying everyone can do tshuva except for Acher. It's kind of saying everyone will be able to do tshuva except for Acher. The way Acher lives, he just won't be able to. That's what I was thinking. Maybe it's not so much as a, as a, what? A din, as a judgment, but more as a prophecy. And obviously, because as we'll see, um, Rabbi Meir, his student, constantly tried to get him to do tshuva. Now, if there was such a bus call that came out as a dinner rule, then how, why would Rabbi Meir bother to try to get him to do tshuva? So, master, so that's why I think it's more like a prophecy. It's unlikely that Acher. But again, they're probably different Shatim on what it means. Everyone can do Tshuva except for Acher. Again, also to be aware that generally when it says Acher, so we always refer to Elisha ben Avuya, that, that sage who became a heretic, as Acher. Just to think during the Sugya, what was actually said. Like, here, did the Baskal come out and say, anyone can do Tshuva except for someone else, except for this one person? Well, then it could be anyone. Or did it actually say, except for Elisha ben Avuya? So you kind of have to ask that along the, the whole story. But let's carry on. Omar, hold the itri, the itri, So Acher said, well, you know, once I've been uh, driven out of Olam Haba, I might as well enjoy this. Well, Nafak Acher, the Tabus Ra, he got involved in a bad crowd. So Nafak Eshkech Zona, he found a Zona, Tova, and he requested her services. Are you not the great sage Elisha ben Avuya? What are you asking me for my services? So he says, He picked a radish on Shabbos and he gave it to her. He showed her that, you know what, I don't actually care about halacha anymore. So she said, ah, this must be someone else. I guess that's where he got his nickname of Acher. He's someone else. He's not, he's not the Elisha ben Avuya that we knew of, the great Talmud Chacham. He's someone else. Shol Acher and this was after again what's strange enough about the relationship we'll see between Rebbe Meir and Acher and Rebbe Meir and Acher yeah, Elisha ben Avuya is Elisha ben Avuya was Rebbe Meir's Rebbe it was his teacher the one the great Rebbe Meir who actually we say our Mishnahs remember we discussed a little bit yesterday that each Yeshiva had their own series of Mishnahs Reb, our Mishnayos are largely based on Rebbe Meir's Again, Rebbe took from all the different schools and all their Mishnayos, but it's to a large degree they based on Rebbe Meir's teaching. So this is one of the great Talmudim of Rebbe Akiva. But he, his Rebbe, one of his Rabbeim, one of his primary Rabbeim was Elisha ben Avuya. So we're going to see interesting in the rest of the Daf this interesting uh, Rebbe Talmud relationship that they had where Elisha ben Avuya was this um, infamous heretic. And Rebbe Meir was the God of Ador, learning, still learning from him. But so Acher, this was after Acher turned bad, he asked Rebbe Meir. He said, what's the Posse Greedon? Now I guess on the surface he's asking him, he never seems to have any malicious intent 
to go ag- to against Rabbi Meir. He never ever seems to try to get Rabbi Meir to become a heretic. So I'm imagining maybe he's just ask, asking these questions as an intellectual exercise or something like that. But What does it mean? Not only this, but also this Hashem did. So he explained to him, Anything that Hashem created, He created something similar. He created mountains and hills. He created seas and rivers. So Omar Loi Rabbi Kiva, so Acha replied to him, he says, Rabbi Akiva, Rabchel Omar Kach, that's not how Rabbi Akiva, your Rabbi, explained it. Ella borrowed Sadikim, borrowed He says it explains it as opposite. He created Sadikim, he created Rishoim, borrowed Ganadim, borrowed Gehenim. He created Ganadim, created Gehenim. Call Echod, Echod, Yeshlo, Shnei, Chalokim. Echod, Began Eden, Echod, Begehenim. Each person has two portions a portion in Ganadim and a portion in Gehenim. If he merits it, he'll get his share in Olam Haba in Gan Eden and his friend's share. And a Rosha, if he's evil, he'll take his share and the share of his friend in Gehenim. There's lots of different explanations how you get someone else's share in Gan Eden or Gehenim, but I think the simplest answer is that Tzadik has a good influence on everyone around him. He brings goodness to the world. So therefore, he can get the share of these Rishoyim who aren't getting the share. And a Rosha, Chas Shalom, the opposite. He has a bad influence on the world. It's not just himself that he affects. He affects the people around him, the community, etc. So therefore, he um, he's liable to other people's share of Olam Hab, of Gehenim as well. So I think that's the easiest pshat. Um, and Omar Rab Masharsha, my Kro Rab Masharsha says, where's the Apostle? He says, Gabay Tzadikim Ksiv. In their land, by Tzadikim it's written, in their land they will inherit a double portion. Mishnah is a double portion. And by Roshoim it's written, Mishnah Shivron Shavorim. And a double portion of destruction is what they will inherit. Another question that Acher asked Rebbe Meir after he had uh, gone bad. My dear sir, what does the Pasuk mean when it says, What does it mean again? This seems to be regarding wisdom, regarding the Torah. It says it can't be evaluated by gold and glass. And it can't even be replaced with or switched for valuable golden vessels. So, says, These are the words of Torah, which is hard to acquire as gold and Paz is a special type of gold, and they're easy as easy to lose as glass breaks. So Amaloi Rabbi Kiva Rabchol Amarkach, Rabbi Acher said to to him, but Rabbi Akiva, your Rabbi didn't explain it as such. Ela ma kli zohav v'kli zchuchis afal pishenish shenishperu yesh lahem takona af tamut chacham afal pishesorach yesh lo takona. He said, uh, your Rebbe, Rebbe Kippur, explained that no, what it means is, just as gold and glass can be repaired, if it breaks, you can melt it down and re- reconstruct it. He says, so to Tamar Chochem, even if he becomes rotten, he has hope. So, so, so just before we continue, maybe this Psukim Acher was subconsciously asking for a way out. He wanted to go back. He, he was a phenomenal Tamar Chochem and he learned Torah to the highest level. So maybe he wanted to get back in the Torah world. He was just a heretic and he felt it was hopeless because of that bus call that he heard. Um, it actually seems from the story, as we'll see, and like I mentioned, it seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy, that bus call, not so much a, 
Maybe it wasn't even actually from heaven, but a person hears what they want to hear. So Rabbi Meir said to him, Ah, so you can also do tshuva. If you're telling me that Rabbi Akiva explained this pasuk, that just as golden glass that breaks can be repaired, is referred to a Tamut Chochom that was, uh, that went that became evil, he can return and do tshuva. So why don't you also? So says, now I've already heard from behind the, the curtain, I've, I've heard from the heavens, that everyone can do tshuva except for Acher. Okay, carrying on with stories of Acher. Acher was riding on his horse on Shabbos, and Rabbi Meir was walking behind him, to learn Torah. To learn Torah from Acher. And after they've been walking for a while, Acher turns to Rebbe Man, he says, you better turn around, we've reached the Tchum. I've counted the steps of Mahos, and I know we're reaching the 2000 Amos boundary. Rebbe Man, you better turn around. So Rebbe Man said to him, why don't you also turn around? I think a dual language, don't break the tchum, come back and also do tshuva. So Amalek, he says, haven't I already told you that I heard this bus call that said, everyone can do tshuva except for Acher. So Rebbe Man grabbed him and took him to the base medrash. He said to a child, tell me your posuk. Now this was a sort of nevuah that they used is you go into a yeshiva or a school and you ask a young child what have you been learning and they posuk that they tell you has relevance to the issue at hand so so the child told him ah oh, the posuk I just learned is that Hashem says there will be no peace for the Rishoyim so uh, not, not the posuk they were looking for <laughs> Um, so, so Rabbi Meir took him to another base measure. So he told another child, tell me what psukim says, Even if you scrub with the best detergents and, and soaps, your stain of your sin will remain. <laughs> so again, not the posse that Rabbi Meir is looking for to try to convince Acher. So he took him to another one. And Omer Leilionuka, soikli psukecho, Omer says basically no matter how fancy you dress and what jewelry you put on you're not going to look beautiful to me so I, so again not the sort of puzzle that inspires chuba they went to many many different shuls until they went to the 13th and all the psukim that the children told them that were they had been learning were along these lines at the end in the final one, he said, Tell me, he told the, the, the post success, Hashem says to the Rosha, What are you speaking about my laws? Says, That child used to mumble. So, so he heard him saying, Not, He thought he was, the child was mocking him. Um, and some said that Akhir had a knife in his hand and he cut up the child and sent him to the different Bata Midrashim. And others say that he says, if I had a knife in my hand, I would have cut him up. 
I saw the Ben Yoda, I saw in the name of the Ben Yoda, Ben Yoda, different. He says, not that Akhar actually cut up the child for saying these things, but rather that the child said, um, but rather that he cut up the books that the child were learning from, and he threw them at, sent them to all the shul saying, look at this nonsense. And, um, uh, yeah, yeah, look at this nonsense. It doesn't help me at all. They said, when Akhir came to the heavens, they said, when Akhir not died, they said, we can't judge him and put him in Gehenna. Again, it seems because the Torah protects Tamidei Chachomim from Gehenna. It says, and we can't bring him into the world to come. Yeah, sorry, it will explain it now. He's been learning Torah and Torah protects from Gehenna. We can't bring him into Shemaim because of his sins. So Amr Bimam would have the light of Alaysi Ahmad Asir Bimam says it's better for him that he gets judged and then he can go into Alam Haba. Mosai Umas Mosai Emos the Ele Oshan Mikibo. When I die you'll see smoke coming from his grave. Can, because Rabbi Meir will take him into Gehenim to be judged again once he's been judged and gone through Gehenim, then he can go back to Alam Haba. And when Rabbi Meir died, that's what happened. The grave of Acher started smoking. Is it a great thing to burn your Rebbe? It says, there's one of us and we can't save him. Acher was one of us. He was one of the greatest Tamilei Chachabim. How can we not save him? I mean, and Rabbi Yochanan's a few generations later. So he says, I think about three or four, he knocked a Beyad if he took his, if if I take him by hand, will anyone be able to stop me? He says, So Rabbi Yochanan said, when I die, the fire will stop in his grave because I'm going to take him from Gehenim to Shemaim with him. And when Rabbi Yochanan died, the fire stopped. One of the eulogies given for Rabbi Yochanan, or one of the eulogizers said, even the guard at the gates, even the guard at the gates to Gehenim can't stand before our Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so it seems, again, uh, I think there's a lot more to discuss on that, but it seems like in the end, there was, there was uh, some level of uh, Gan Eden for Acher after he had been judged in Gehenna. But again, I think for us, at least on the surface, you see the power of Torah. Rabbi Man, Rabbi Yochran weren't prepared to disregard Acher. And that was because of his high level of Torah learning. Even me became an infamous heretic. Okay, the daughter of Acher came before Rebbe and she said, please support me. So Amal Abbas Miat, he said, whose daughter are you? Seems Rebbe was very particular when he handed out tzedakah, either to only give to the family of Tamil Chachomim or to, uh, or he would give different amounts and increase it based on the, if they were from a family of Tamil Chachomim. So yeah, I don't know, what's a family? So Amal Abbas she says, I'm the daughter of she probably said Elisha ben Avuya. But Omer lo adayin yesh mizara ba'olam. Sure, that's so surprising to me that he has any descendants in the world. V'hoks, if it's written, lo inin v'lo. Yeah, we have to see the first part of that pasuk, which isn't, sorry, the previous pasuk, which isn't here. But either way, it says, Arosha lo inin v'lo inechet v'lo in v'amo v'ein srid b'maguro. So there will be no grandchildren and no remnant in his neighborhood. So Omar Lo Zahula So she said to Rebbe, please remember his Torah and don't remember his deeds. Mihad Yorda Aish Vesocha Safsoloshal Rebbe and immediately a fire came down and burnt the seat, singed the seat that Rebbe was sitting on. 
Bocha Rebi Vama Rebi cried and he said, Umalam is Ganin Bo Kachlem Shabchim Bo Al Achas Kama Kama. Look how careful you have to be with respect for the Torah of those who degrade the Torah. Acher actually brought disgrace to the Torah. And yet when Rebbe degraded his Torah, his bench burned. Can you imagine for those actually being praised to the Torah, how careful you have to be with them. So again, this is a, it's, it's just in my mind, it's mind-blowing that you can have someone who was the ultimate of evil, the ultimate heretic. And uh, because of his Torah learning, he still had, uh, he still had a great influence. Okay, Rebbe Meir, Heichel, Torah, Mipum, Acher. How could Rabbi Meir learn Torah from Acher? Rabbi Barchana said the name of Rabbi Yochanan, What does the Pesach mean when it says, The lips of the Kohen will guard his wisdom. And you must learn Torah from him. Because he is an angel of Hashem. If your Rebbe is comparable to an angel of Hashem, then learn Torah from him. Then you should, if not, you should not learn Torah from him. So how could the, the Pesach tells us that you can only learn Torah from a Rebbe who is like a Malach of Hashem. So how could Rebbe Meir learn Torah from Acher? He is clearly far from it. So Rebbe Meir expounded the following Pesach. It says, Tilt your ears and listen to the words of the wise. And your heart should always focus on my wisdom. It doesn't say to the hearts of the wise. It says to my das. I, you can have the wise you can listen to, but just remember me, Hashem. I, we see that there's a, sometimes you're listening to people who would not necessarily be on the same page as Hashem. Rabbi Chanina says it's from the following posuk. Shimi bas uri'i, listen my daughter, and look, bahat tilt your ear. but still forget your, your, People and your father's household. I listen to them, what they're saying, but forget them. I listen to their, their words of Torah, but ignore their deeds. Listen to their good, but ignore their bad. So that's why Rabbi Meir had these psukim that imply that you can listen to Torah from someone who you should actually not be emulating. Says Kashu. So, so that's okay. So fine, we've answered for Rabbi Meir. How could Rebbe doesn't, can't you only learn Torah from someone who's like a Malach Hashem, an angel of Hashem? And no, with these other psukim that imply that you can learn Torah from others. Oh, Kashu Kratari, but at the end of the day, these psukim seem to be contradicting each other. Which one is it? Can you learn Torah from, do you have to only learn Torah from someone who's like a Malach Hashem? Or can you learn Torah from these others? So Rebbe, so the Gemara answers, no, Lo Kashu Habakad or Habakatan. Here's with a great person or here's with a... Younger or immature or not as great person. If it's a great person and he knows a lot of Torah and he's very strong in the Torah, then he can learn from these evil people. And if he's an immature person or a young person, then he should not. He should only learn from someone who's like a Malach Hashem. Um, this leads to a very broad and interesting discussion because, like the Rambam, is famous. And some is famous for he quotes lots of philosophers and Greek philosophers who definitely weren't uh, people who would recommend emulating. They might have been wise, but wise doesn't mean good. It's always the it's always quite scary. The I mean, I was speaking to someone who was studying psychology in university and stuff, and he says those professors who are there. I mean, psychology is to help, largely to help understand the mind and help people deal with the issues and develop 
healthy lifestyle and healthy emotional and mental uh, ways of dealing with things. He says you can't believe what, I don't know what, what lowly people they were, unhelpful, cruel, can't. But that's what they, they were the professors in psychology. So I think that's the same thing. Um, so so, so that's, there is an aspect that when you're on a certain level, then you can take the wisdom of these people, obviously keeping in mind with Hashem, but on a lower level, someone, at least someone starting out in their learning and in general, and some say nowadays we're all fairly simple, we should definitely not take as a Rebbe someone who we just plan on using their wisdom and not emulating them. We should keep to Rabbeim who are Kamala Hashem, Tzvokos, like angels of Hashem. But again, it's an interesting discussion to think about. Um, yeah, they give a metaphor for it. When Rav Dimi came from Eretz he said, Omri in the West, they say, He used to eat the outside of the fruit and throw the sp- uh, throw the the pip away. Dorash Rava might deceive Alginas Egos Yoranti Leroy's Baave Nachal, etc. Says Lamanim Shulu Tamir Chachomim La Egos. Why are the Tamir Chachomim compared to a nut? Loy Malacho Ma Egos Afal Pishem Luchlach Betit Uvetzar Ein Mashem Besoichenimos. Just as this nut is all dirty and yak on the outside, what's inside is. Is not uh, re- revolting. You just take off the shell, and the inside's perfect. So after so to the Torah is not um, doesn't become ruined. So again, this is this would describe Harebi Meir. Um, you can discuss what's the different an- analogy. The one is he would eat the outside of the fruit and leave the pip, or the other is the, the opposite. He would leave the outside and take the inside the the pit and take the inner nut, which is the delicious part to eat. But either way, what do we see? Rabbi Meir was able to sift through and take, he knew what parts of the wisdom, what parts of Acher were from his Torah, and what parts were from his heresy, and he could take the good and leave the bad. So, Rabbi Barshila came upon Eliyahu, and he asked him, what's Hashem doing? So, He's giving over teachings in the name of all the sages, except he won't repeat anything in the name of Rabbi Meir. He says, why won't, why won't HaKadosh Baruch Hu say any teachings in the name of Rabbi Meir? So he says, Because he used to learn Torah from Acher. So, says, but why? Rebbe Meir found a pomegranate, he ate the inside, and he threw away the peel. So, then straight away, he says, Ah, oh, you've persuaded Hashem. And he started speaking, he started saying, My son Meir says, and now he's quoting a drosha that Hashem, this is what Hashem said in the name of Rebbe Meir. When a person is suffering from the punishment of sin, what does this Shechina say? Kalani meroishi, kalani mizroi. Oh, my head hurts, my arm hurts. Im kach hakadosh baruch hu mitzdala daman shal rishoim kavachoim al daman shal tzadikim shenishbach. If Hashem is pained when he has to hurt rishoim, can you imagine how much he hates, how upset he feels about the the blood of the tzaddikim that is spilt. Amazing analogy, saying Hashem says when Hashem has to punish someone, even though they deserve it because of their sin, it hurts Hashem. Um, and 
can you can you imagine? And that's even over a shoyim. We're not speaking about good people here. We're speaking about people who Hashem has to hurt and Hashem's in pain. And interesting enough, it brings the metaphor of he says, my arm hurts and my head hurts. What do we put on our arm and our head? Our tefillin. Tefillin. This is based on the nefesh hachaim. A note in the nefesh hachaim says tefillin are what show our bond to Hashem and Hashem's love for us. That's one of the things you've got to think about when you're in your tefillin. It's Hashem's love for us and how we're trying to uh, foster and grow that love of Hashem. Um, so that's, uh, that's uh, um, this. It shows to the degree that this love of Hashem feels such so much love for us. That even when we sin, it pains him. Again, where he wears his tefillin, which highlights his love for Hashem, it pains him when he has to punish Rishoyim even. Eshkecho Shmuel the Rav Yehuda the Tali be Ivra the Dash of a Kabochi. Shmuel once found Rav Yehuda who was his student leaning on the bolt of a door, so like leaning on the door and crying. So Amalei Shilena my Kabochi, he said, sharp on, why are you crying? So Amalei Mizutra my Dirsiv Buhu Rabbanon, is it a small thing that we've said about the Rabbanon? We've been speaking about some of the greatest people. We're speaking about Acher, phenomenal, phenomenal Talmud Chacham. As we see of all the other Tamidei Chachomim, Rabbi Meir wanted to learn from Elisha Menafu from Acher. And we're going to bring other sources of, what's uh, that, we're going to bring sources of what phenomenal they were, of the greatest Tamidei Chachomim of their generations. Doig was an advisor to Shaul HaMelech, he was, they say he was the head of the Sanhedrin, but incredibly evil. Achitofel was one of David HaMelech's rabbis. So these are phenomenal, phenomenal people, and we see they fall off the derech. He says, what hope is there for us? And he says this, the Pesach says, So he explains the Pesach, where, um, where are these great sages who counted the letters in the Torah? I Doigan Achitofa was such brilliant, every single letter in the Torah made a difference to them. So and I mean, for me, if I get like I get mixed up with my alephs and my ions and my hayes and my chesed and my, you know, like I wish I appreciated every single letter. But you know, if I get the if I get what the word's saying, I'm pretty happy. And they every single letter mattered to them. That's what the level of Tamachocham says. I shoykel shahoyu shoyklim kalim v'chamurish matayr. Where are these shoykels? What does that refers to? The those who learn the kavachomers in the Torah, those who are able to make drashas. I sofer is amid dolim. What does it mean? Who counts the towers? There were these, they were able to discuss 300 halachas regarding this tower that flies in the air. What's this tower? So there are many different pshatim what the tower that flies in the air. Some say it refers to laws of tumor. You know, when you have something over a mace or under a mace or someone in a tumor. The Rashi over here brings, and between here and where the sugi is repeated, he brings quite a few uh, uh, different stories. Some say it's 300 methods to make a tower fly. Okay, all different explanations, but other way they knew 300 halachas regarding this flying tower. We don't, okay, I find it ironic. We don't even know what the flying tower is referring to, and they knew 300 halachas regarding it. Rashi, as I said, Rashi between here and Sanhedrin brings about five different example possibilities. And not only that, they had 300 questions regarding this migdal haporech ba'avir. Vitnan, and it's written regarding them in a Mishnah, it's taught regarding them in a Mishnah. There are three kings and four regular people who'd have no share in Olam Haba, and one of, the, they are, of those four, 
There's Doeg and Achitofel. Doeg and Achitofel were these phenomenal, phenomenal Tamidei Chachamim. And yet they have no share in Olam Haba. So Rav Yehuda says, Anan Matahialan. So Rav Yehuda says, well, what hope is there for us? If that's Achitofel and Doeg, what hope is there for anyone else? So Amalei Shinat Tinahaisa Belibim. He says, no, their heart, there was an impurity in their heart from the beginning. I think the important point here is maybe they got caught up with the intellectual side of Torah. Again, I'm not saying this is definitely Pshat, but maybe this is one explanation, is they got caught up in the intellectual side of Torah. And you've got to remember, Hashem also wants our heart in service of Him. It's not all about how much Torah do you know, how sharp are you, how bright are you, how many brilliant questions and answers and explanations have you given for the Sukhya. No, Hashem wants Yerushalayim, He wants a good heart. So that's what the problem with Achitofel and Doeg, from the outset, they never had this good heart. And therefore, the Torah, they, therefore, even though they had so much Torah and great wisdom, they, were, they could turn and end up going totally off till they have no share in Olam Haba. The Gemara asks, Acher Mai. So what did Acher do? Where do we see, what did Acher have? What was bad about Acher that he could end up becoming a heretic? So Zeme Yavoni Lo Pume used to sing Greek songs. Rashi says, instead of mourning for the Beis Amikdash, she was singing songs. The Marshal is not happy with that, because then why does it specify Greek songs? So he says he was caught up in these Greek songs whose uh, values, the culture and the values that they, that they spoke about, and obviously by singing them often they sunk into his heart, were heretical from the Greek culture. They said when Acher used to stand up in the Beis Medrash, he used to, um, about f- many, many different heretical books would fall from his lap. I, even when he was sitting in uh, yeshiva learning, under the table he was reading uh, inappropriate uh, material, things that he shouldn't have been reading. So we see from the outset, Acher had these issues with him. Um, maybe tomorrow, I'll leave the last line of Acher tomorrow. Oh, let's just do it quickly. Quickly. He says, so does this mean anyone who learns Torah will be protected? So Again, I'm basing it on Rashi's right, but basically anyone whose wool is as white as when they're born, eyes very fresh, clean wool, either have a good heart, then they will be protected by the Torah. Otherwise, they won't necessarily be protected by the Torah. Um, Interesting enough, not over, um, we're not going to have time to go into now, but Tosos on the previous page goes throughout Shas where we find other reasons that Rebbe Mad turned. And I think that's also an important lesson. We often try to sometimes take a complex person and say, what was the problem? No, there wasn't one problem. We see with Acher, there were multiple issues. It wasn't one thing that made him go. It was a whole series of events, a whole series of approaches to life. It was a constant uh, way of approaching issues. And that's what led Acher, um, astray, and we've got to remember that with people also, they're complex, it's not one thing that's going to make them into a tzaddik, and one thing that's going to make them into a rasha, it's not one thing that's going to make them love Torah, and one thing, like we speak about, make a child go off the derech, it's multiple events that happen over a while, that can, that affect how a person develops, okay, we'll leave it there for today.